1: This is the best of OutKick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Two teams were in the zone last night for what I would call the official kickoff of college football. Ohio State, after a slow start, they trailed 14-13 at the half in Indiana. Put on a beatdown about midway through the third quarter. Ended up easily dominating Indiana, covering 49-21. You know, I'm a kind of guy who hates to brag, but I guaranteed, as part of my gambling picks on Thursday night, I said Indiana is going to score at least 40, and, I'm sorry, Ohio State's going to score at least 40 on Indiana, and Indiana's going to score 17 or more. We hit the over with ease, guy. 70 points total scored in this game, and the over-under was 56 and a half. Ten minutes left in the game. You were cashing checks. I hope you guys followed the picks. Got rich. Good start to the college football season. Oklahoma State, meanwhile, puts away Tulsa. It was a dominant first half. Never any doubt at all about that game. So we had two top ten teams come out and look pretty much like top ten teams at times. Especially at times for Ohio State. I'm curious whether Buckeye fans are still nervous over what happened in this game because JT Barrett's stats did not look bad. But if you watched every throw that he made, he does not look like a quarterback you can win a national championship with to me. I know the secondary at Ohio State gave up a lot of passing yards and uh, they gave up 410 yards passing. Now Indiana threw the ball 65 times. And they picked off a couple of passes. But to me, the biggest alarm bell going off at all, if I'm an Ohio State fan, is JT Barrett. He seems like he has been at Ohio State for 25 years. And frankly, he doesn't seem like he's much better now than he was as a redshirt freshman when he kind of exploded on the scene. And so to me, the biggest fear that I have, if I am an Ohio State fan, is that JT Barrett is just not good enough to win a championship. Now, maybe the front seven of Ohio State's going to be so talented. Maybe those wide receivers who made a lot of plays on short passes and turned those into massive gains are going to turn into good enough playmakers that they can help overshadow JT Barrett. But it seems to me that this is the equivalent of a guy who has a good year, year one as a rookie in the NFL – And then eventually everybody figures out what he's able to do and he can't continue to perform. He's not accurate enough, in my opinion, right now. Uh, Every team that has skilled talent on the defensive side of the ball is basically going to say, we're not going to let him run the football and we're going to make him beat us throwing the football. And I just don't believe that he's capable of doing that against really elite level competition. Now, look. Urban Meyer was good enough to win a championship with Cardell Jones. And a lot of people back then, when JT Barrett broke his leg and we'd already seen Braxton Miller injured, a lot of people said, oh my God, look how incredible Urban Meyer is that he can win a title even with Cardell Jones. Guys, I don't think that Ohio State would have won a championship if JT Barrett had played the whole way. I think Cardell Jones caught fire. He was a bigger, stronger guy, bigger arm more dangerous throwing the football. But JT Barrett, I don't think teams are going to let him run anymore. Even Indiana allowed him to carry the ball 13 times for 61 yards. Eh, I mean, he had some decent runs, none longer than 14 yards. You're going to have to prove now that you can throw the football if you are JT Barrett. And I'm just not sure that consistently he's going to be able to do that. And Ohio State does not have an easy schedule like to be fair they have in years past next week they got oklahoma coming to town if jt barrett plays like he did in the first half against oklahoma baker mayfield is going to dominate in that matchup of quarterbacks now maybe ohio state will rise their raise their level of game maybe it's not going to be a reflection of what we saw against indiana maybe JT Barrett just had the worst game of the season he's going to have and certainly the worst first half. But next week, I mean, basically they have the final exam against Oklahoma. It may be the toughest game that Ohio State probably has on the schedule until they play Penn State, and that's not all the way until late October. And then this team also, remember, has to go on the road at the end of the year against Michigan. Meanwhile, I don't think that game on the road against Nebraska is going to be that easy. So this year for Ohio State, is not a cakewalk of a season. Again, Oklahoma next week in the shoe. I did not see enough from JT Barrett to feel very comfortable about how he's going to do against Oklahoma. Now, last year, look, last year Ohio State went in the into uh, into Norman and dominated Oklahoma. Bob Stoops hardly ever loses at home to anyone, and you got to give him credit. Look, Ohio State raised their level of play to such an extent that they were capable of going on the road and winning in Norman last year. I don't think that the way he played last night, JT Barrett is good enough to win a title. I could be wrong. Certainly I've been wrong before, but I think most Ohio State fans who are listening to me right now kind of feel the same way, that JT Barrett is not continuing to progress And on some level, it feels a little bit like he has regressed, that he never has taken that next step and become a consistently dominant quarterback that you feel like is going to make the throw on third and seven when you have to convert and continue a drive. I just don't feel that way about him. And I'm certain that Oklahoma's game plan is going to be we are not going to allow JT Barrett to run the football against us. Now, he may run for 50 or 60 yards. He may scramble at times, but they're not going to allow him to consistently run the football. That means they're going to play a lot of coverage, man-to-man, a lot of zone, make him play and make perfect throws. And I just don't feel like he's accurate enough. That's the biggest takeaway that I have from last night watching that Indiana game. Now, Ohio State's a very, very talented football team. And it could be that the talent around JT Barrett lifts itself up enough at the wide receiver position. If you watched the game last night, it's a big drop early in the second half, one good deep ball that JT Barrett threw. Certainly, the other big plays, you look at the yardage, somebody's going to say, well, he threw for 300 yards. Well, that's looking at the results statistically as opposed to watching them. The two, uh, yeah, 150 of his yards just about came on about 6 yard passes. One little curl that went for 74 yards, another uh, another little dink pass over the middle that the wide receiver turned into a, you know, 60 yard touchdown as well. So 130 of his 300 yards came on plays where his wide receivers just caught short passes and made spectacular plays on his behalf, the yards after the catch. It wasn't that he was so perfect on those throws, or that he set them up in some way to have that success. Am I crazy? I don't think so. We'll open up the phone lines here in a little bit, but yesterday I said we were going to have him. This Today we have got him getting up so early for us. In fact, he may just be staying awake all night, and maybe even more likely here. My guy Todd Furman's going to join us from out in the desert, and he's going to break down all of the games coming up on the weekend So if you are a college football fan, we're going to talk to Todd Furman every Thursday just about. I know it's Friday, but every Thursday during the season, we're going to talk to him from a gambling perspective and help make you some money, hopefully. But let's bring in the crew. I'm sure you guys were watching. Oklahoma State, I feel like, was not as much of a uh, revelation. They looked really good and put away their opponent early. I watched that on FS1 for a little bit, but I was primarily focused on Ohio State, Indiana. Uh, Jason Martin, are you with me that you would be very leery right now of what JT Barrett is capable of all year. I know it's early. I know that college football is the ultimate no-idea-what team you're going to get from one week to another. But to me, JT Barrett has not advanced at the quarterback position like you would have hoped. And in fact, he seems to be pretty much the same player that he has been throughout
3: his career. JT Barrett still shows flashes of brilliance from the quarterback spot. The problem is when he's 12 years into his career at Ohio State and he's still just showing flashes, you can't win a national championship with somebody that's going to be inconsistent from that spot. He's got to be better than that on a more consistent basis, and we've never really seen that from him. That's why he was never able to hold on to the job to begin with. That's why he was always somebody that could potentially come in, but not necessarily somebody that definitely had anything, obviously, until now. He did make some nice plays last night. He did make some nice throws. He also made some hideous throws. And that's the problem here because it's not like the Big 10 isn't stacked. It's not like Ohio State doesn't have a tough schedule beginning next week. I don't know how Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma team is going to look, but I can tell you Baker Mayfield's a hell of a lot better player than JT Barrett overall in terms of somebody that I'm going to trust in that situation. It took him a while to get going last night. Indiana is not exactly a tomato can. They're not terrible. And in the second half, Ohio State really did just kind of impose their will. But I thought JT Barrett would be better by now than he is. This might be the guy that he is. There are guys that are elite on the quarterback level in college, and then when they get to the pros, they can't do anything. This is a guy who was elite maybe on the high school level, and now he's an above average, somewhere in that range kind of player, and that's about it. I just don't see anything special out of JT Barrett that would scare me if I was another one of those Big Ten defenses or anybody else that's going to see Ohio State this year. Now, there's a ton of great skill players, and as you mentioned, the front seven for the Buckeyes, incredibly impressive. But nothing from JT Barrett last night would make me feel real confident if I had them in my Final Four. I just don't think that quarterback spot is strong enough right now for Ohio State for me to feel that great about their chances.
2: If you watched that game last night, Ohio State never really covered anybody. They were able to make plays because their defensive front eventually started to get good pressure on the Indiana quarterback. And I got to tell you, if you watch that game, I want to give some props to Sammy Copps Jr. Uh, this guy had 11 catches for 149 yards and looked like a man among boys. If you are an NFL fan, that guy looked like a legitimate beast NFL wide receiver. Now, I'm not sure what 40 time he's going to run. That would be the only question I have. But in terms of just being a physical presence, great hands, able to get open, really Ohio State couldn't cover him all night long. Uh, Sammy Cobbs Jr. is a guy that I would put, you know, just kind of circle that name, Sammy Cobbs Jr., sorry, Sammy Cobbs Jr. When it gets to the actual NFL draft, man, he was really, really good. 6'4", 220, big physical guy for Indiana. I thought he was the best player they had on the field all night long.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: We are joined now, waking up early with us, getting ready for his big uh, game tonight, which is uh, Rutgers hosting Washington. But before we even get to college football, Joel Klatt, you texted me a while ago and you were disgusted by what you'd heard Jason Martin was doing. Oh my gosh! I can't believe Jason Martin is still employed. <laughs> Let's just
4: call it. When what you heard it that is. he had me
2: muted, you you texted me and you said, "This is an un, unacceptable, unacceptable admission."
4: I mean, to say that that was a little bit disrespectful is an understatement.
2: No doubt at all. Uh, and uh, and Here's so, Jason. Yeah. Here's the thing.
4: He, like understanding what your opinion is and and the what what you're thinking, regardless of what it is, is his job. So to m- mute you on Twitter, that's oh man. Oh. When I heard that, I almost spit my coffee all over my windshield. <laughs> I was just I was. I was so upset. I was so upset. I can't believe you didn't fire him on the spot. I know. I would have just looked at him and been like, I would have been like, "Hey, man, don't let the door hit you, or the good Lord split you."
2: It's clear that only my great heart. Is, uh, has allowed Jason Martin to continue to be employed despite the fact you know what he did the other day he came on the same animal Thunderdome story back-to-back days I mean he's, he's got some redemption that he needs to build up for sure uh, hopefully the voicemails the hate voicemails which I know you like in the final hour will be good this week uh, so you uh, have got this game tonight we'll talk about Rutgers and uh, and the uh, and Washington really quickly here what do you expect to see is is Washington going to be as good this year as they were last year
4: They've got a chance, certainly. Their schedule it sets up even better for them this year than it did last year because they missed USC in the regular season. Um, I think Browning's going to have a really good year. Um, hes I don't know if it's going to be as great as his first nine games a year ago, but, man, he's, he's, he's very good. And he's healthy. He had a little procedure on his um, uh, throwing shoulder. So I think that he's going to be healthier and, and ready to go play better than he did in the, the latter part of last year. Their defense is really good. They've got basically just two questions and that's it. One is they've got to find corners because they had two corners that were both drafted in the second second round. And if they can replace those guys with players that are comparable, then then they're gonna have a great year. And then they've got to find a, a number two wide receiver. They lost John Ross, the speedster remember you're in like literally a four two, two seconds yeah. at the combine, yeah. yes. So um, if they can replace at least some of his production or spread it around to some of the other guys, yeah, Washington's going to be really good.
2: When you look at uh, what happened last night, I'm sure you were watching the game like a lot of us were uh, with Ohio yeah. State playing Indiana. JT Barrett, we've t- I mean, he has been, it seems like, at Ohio State for 65 years now, right? I mean, he's just been there for so long. And you, you played quarterback in college football, and I'm sure like every different year was a little bit different feeling. But to me, watching as a layman, he looks to be pretty much the same quarterback that he has been for several years. He's never really taken that next step to me. Now, in the second half, he hit a couple of passes, but they weren't exactly like uh, plays where you know his receivers ran after they caught the ball. It wasn't like they really stretched the field. I know he had the one drop where he hit the guy in stride early in the second half. How good is he, and are you, am I wrong to believe that he basically, I don't know that he's regressed, but he certainly hasn't progressed, at least in my experience watching him play. Is that fair? You know, last night was was a little bit alarming for me because all the things that
4: you said seemed to be, or at least were panning out to be true. Now, obviously, they 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 ran away from Indiana late, and a lot of that, like you said, and, and I think aptly, was, just the the talent gap in particular in the speed gap of the wide receivers the the issue for i thought barrett was going to have a monster season i thought we were going to see more of the numbers that we saw him put up in 2014 when he was um you know finished i think he was like fifth in the heisman right remember he broke his leg at the end of that season he was he was so good and you know, granted, that was a great team, went on to win the national championship, so the talent around him was was second to none. But, I mean, you, you could say he's regressed, but part of it, is I think he's he plays almost like he's scared to make a mistake, like he's got to be perfect. You know, there's got to be some element of a quarterback's game where he doesn't give a crap about making a mistake. That, that, that sounds crazy because we always talk about, like, oh, don't turn the ball over, touchdown-interception ratio, you know, got to be perfect, got to make great decisions, and so on and so forth. But when you look at, at the great quarterbacks in the NFL or even the guys in college that are almost indefensible, there is an element at times of, of like, reckless abandon. And you never see that from Barrett. And I think it ends up hurting him because he will not throw the ball unless he sees the throw, so he doesn't anticipate the throw. Um, he's got a little bit of a slow delivery. So unless the player is wide open, he, he has a tough time you, you know, hitting them. And, and this is it's not a source of frustration because, listen, I think he can get better during the course of the season. But I thought he was going to have a big year.
2: How do you handle a quarterback who's maybe not accurate? Because that's what I look at more than anything else. Like, I'm not running through the route tree. I'm not analyzing his progressions and everything else. That's what guys like you who have played the quarterback position can be. But as a layman who loves watching football, what I look to is – is the guy comfortable in the pocket, and most importantly, is he accurate? In other words, I think the most important thing that a quarterback has that I can say is on third and eight, I feel like he's going to extend a lot of these drives, right? When you know you have to throw the ball, and when you know you're dropping back to pass, you're going to hit a guy and you're going to be accurate. How do you get more accurate? Because I think that's what kind of jumps out to me about JT Barrett's game more than anything else, is that at times... He doesn't throw a very catchable ball, and he doesn't really put the ball where he needs to in terms of accuracy. How do you improve that? That's a great question.
4: I think if you <laughs> – um, I mean, candidly, Clay, I, I think accuracy is inherent. Um, I've seen guys get a little bit more accurate, and there's things that you can do to improve your accuracy. You can improve your footwork. You can improve your timing. Um, you, you can improve your anticipation, which should improve your ball placement, right? But, but accuracy and ball placement, I think, are two different things. Um, to be a, an accurate thrower, I think, is somewhat inherent, you know? And, and I haven't seen a lot of guys just um, improve by leaps and bounds in terms of their accuracy. I, I, I see them tighten up their mechanics and a lot of things that can that can tighten up their ball placement. Um, but the, the ability, I think it comes down to one thing, and you hear this term a lot, and I'll, I'll try to, to, to define it for you, but it, it comes down to arm talent, and arm talent is an inherent thing. Um, it's the ability to make every throw to every part of the field in an accurate fashion, and... And so, like I said, you know, accuracy is one of those elusive things. There's not many guys that are hyper-accurate. And so when you see it, that's why it stresses the defense so much, is because their margin for error goes way down, um, way down. And, uh, I mean, in particular on third down, like you said, in particular in the red zone, improving it, man, that's a dicey proposition.
2: You got a couple more minutes for us. I got to hit this update one minute, and then we'll be back. I want to ask you about Bama, Florida State, and the other big games, which we haven't even got to. Is that cool? Yeah, you bet. All right, let's find out what's trending now. Eddie Garcia, how accurate can you be on this? Uh, You got good arm talent or bad arm talent here?
5: Uh, pretty good arm talent. All right. Uh, we'll start though in the NFL. Cowboys star running back Ezekiel Elliott appealing. Uh, or he should say his appeal hearing concluded on Thursday. After three days and over 25 hours of testimony, a decision is expected on Monday. Thursday night, the NFL Players Association filed a preemptive lawsuit in Texas challenging the appeal process and looking to block any suspension that comes from the arbitrator. College football, a couple of top 10 teams in action last night. Number two, Ohio State rallies in the second half to beat Indiana 49-21. to The Buckeyes actually trailed by a point at the half. And number 10, Oklahoma State beats Tulsa 59-24. to Baseball news, the Detroit Tigers traded pitcher Justin Verlander to the the Houston Astros for prospects. On the American League scoreboard, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 6-2. to New York is now 4.5 back of Boston in the AL East race. Twins over the White Sox 5-4, and the Blue Jays beat the Orioles 11-8. Baltimore's seven-game winning streak was snapped. They're 2.5 back now that final wild card spot. This report is brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, briefly back to the NFL where the Preseason, thankfully, came to an end last night with 15 games in the NFL. There was one rookie quarterback that played. He may actually start opening day. That's Nathan Peterman of the Buffalo Bills because of injuries to Tyrod Taylor and TJ Yates. He looked pretty good, completed 9 of 11 passes in the Buffalo Bills' win over the Detroit Lions.
2: Good stuff. Nathan Peterman never would have believed it. I watched him play one of the worst. I think I was sitting watching this game with Joel Klatt, actually, in the Fox Studios. Do you remember that, Joel? He started the game against the Gators uh several years ago and it was one of the worst performances i've ever seen a quarterback have he injured his thumb and was out for the rest of the season uh, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And with True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I probably would have given you 500 to 1 odds that he would have ever started a game, Joel, after I saw that first half against Florida. And now he may do it in the NFL.
4: Yeah, I remember that game. I and, lost my mind. That I was like, game, "What's
2: going?" Yeah, it was such an awful game.
4: Th- that game might. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you on a quick uh, little roundabout to, to tell you why I think that that game could show you why LSU this year is going to be better than people think. Okay. Because Peterman, that's the ty- that's the quarterback he was against against Florida. He ends up transferring and he goes to Pitt, and then we saw what he became, uh, in particular under offensive coordinator Matt Canada at Pitt into the into a point where he beat Penn State and Clemson last year and was a draft pick. And then Matt Canada now is the offensive coordinator for LSU. So he goes from Pitt to LSU. LSU has struggled immensely with quarterback play. If Canada can do at LSU what he was able to do at Pitt for Nathan Peterman, watch out because that's always a really talented roster and you know they can play defense.
2: No, that's a great point. Um, okay, let me get your quick thoughts here on Bama FSU. I'm going to go down to Atlanta. I'll be there in person for this game. What do you expect to see?
4: Well, other than a Bama fan trying to punch you... um, (laughs) It's very likely. I I mean, highly likely. I would put money on it. Um, The money line, it's tough to win money on that because it's almost a sure thing. Um, I, I fully expect to see... Both teams play at a, a extremely high level. I, I think that this is going to be a really tight game. I think seven is way too large of a line, um, even for a team like Bama, who's, who's so good. Um, these two teams have been, along with Clemson and Ohio State, the two, three, four best teams in college football by a decent margin over the course of the last five or six years. Um, Jimbo Fisher has done a, a, a marvelous job. I love any time we get a chance to see a matchup when it's two coaches that have won a national championship. Think about it, Clay. There's only four head coaches that have won a national championship in college football, so we get a chance to see a couple of them face off right here. I think that Jalen Hurts is going to have a really big year. I really do. Brian Dable is a smart guy. I think he's going to give him a little bit more – Of of help, I want. I know they always ran the ball, and they ran it very effectively with Lane Kiffin. But with Kiffin, there's always this element of vanity play caller where he wants to make the perfect play call. And at times, I felt like he could put Hertz in in a precarious situation. Uh, Like I said, and I don't think Brian Dable is going to do that. I think Dable is going to have Hertz playing really well. He's going to have that offense clicking in all facets. Calvin Ridley is one of the best wide receivers. I think we're going to see Bama win a really close game by one or two, maybe a field goal.
2: Other big game, there are tons of big games, but I want to get your thoughts on these two. Michigan, Florida, and it appears that Florida right now is at least stuck. They're only going to have 10 guys suspended, which is the biggest number I've seen in a long time, which is saying something because I'm an SEC fan, so I've seen a lot of suspensions from Georgia over the years. And then A&M is going to UCLA. Which of those games are you most excited to watch, and what do you expect to see in both of them?
4: Well, I'm, I'm most excited for the UCLA and m game because after our game, washington Rutgers, we're flying back and we're going to do that game on right. Sunday night. Um, so I can't wait for that game because I think it's it's as good of an under-the-radar game as you're going to get. One, you, we never generally, and I know we saw it last year between these two teams, but we, it's so few and far between that we get a Pac-12 SEC matchup. So I just love it from that standpoint. I love when we actually see an SEC team, leave the SEC footprint. Clay, it's so rare to see a team go outside of the footprint. Um, think about it. I mean, it happens like maybe one, one and a half times a year.
2: Yeah, we got Georgia going to Notre Dame this year, which is going to be, in theory, that would be a better game if both teams were you know, kind of at the peak. But uh, other than Tennessee, which has always been a team that goes all over the country to play – Maybe LSU a little bit. LSU's played a bunch of Pac 12 teams, and, you know, they played Arizona State, Washington. Uh, You know, I could think of several different trips that they've made, but by and large, you're right. Most of the time, the Southern teams stay in the South.
4: LSU went to Syracuse. They went up and played uh, Wisconsin last year in Lambeau Field. So you're right. There are a few programs that will do it, but then there are others that won't even touch it. They won't even sniff it, Alabama being one of those. Yeah. but, you know, I'm, so I'm excited for that game. Both of those coaches need a win like they need air to breathe.
3: Jim yes. Moore
4: and, and Kevin Sumlin, and Sumlin's going to go in there and he's going to play all three quarterbacks. We'll see the true freshman, Kellen Mond. We're going to see the redshirt freshman, Nick Starkle, and we'll also see Jake Kubenak, the guy who's been there the last few years, uh, and then Josh Rosen. That's just so interesting to me as well. The, the Michigan-Florida game is not as interesting because I think Michigan's going to beat them pretty handily because of all the suspensions. They've got their best running back, their best wide receiver, all suspended. And the only thing that I would say about the, the Florida suspensions is I would give them more credit if they weren't trying to ask for credit <laughs> yeah, it's for absurd. suspending their players. You, you know, it's like now's not the time to beat your chest and be like, look how good of a person I am. I suspended these players when – all my peers in my conference wouldn't do it. It's like, is now t- the time to actually say that? Do you want- let that be like an off-season talking point, or let us bring that up without you bringing it up. That's the only thing that, that makes my skin crawl a little bit. I think Michigan's going to be better than people think they're going to be. Clay, they're more talented, and they're more experienced than their returning starters would suggest. One returning tar- starter on the defense side but remember, they play a lot of guys. They played 18, 19, 20 guys a game. So there's got more guys with game experience than necessarily starters or returning. So I think they're going to be better than people think they will.
2: How excited are you personally to be able – got two big games, obviously. you got the game tonight. A lot of people will be watching because it's Friday night. They want to put a game on. So you've got Rutgers-Washington. Then you've got Sunday, an awesome game between Texas A&M and UCLA. But you're going to be able to travel all over the country now and call games at Big Ten venues. Personally, Like, how exhilarated are you about that?
4: Well, I think for the first time in our history, covering college football at Fox Sports, we're going to have a schedule at the, at the top end and really throughout the schedule that is comparable or can compete with anybody in the country. Um, when you look at our games game in and game out, we're going to have as good a game as anybody. Now, there's there's going to be certain weekends when another network has the better game. This, this weekend happens to be one of them. Obviously, you know, ABC is going to kick it off with a one versus three Alabama-Florida State. We'll get Alabama-LSU on, on CBS, I'm sure. Um, but you know, <laughs> there's not going to be many weeks where you can say, we don't have the best game of the weekend, just period. And that's a huge uh, paradigm shift for college football. That's just never happened, Clay, never happened. So, uh, I mean, to be with Gus in the booth for some of these games is going to be amazing. In particular, I've always thought, and, and partly just because of the tradition, the peasantry of the game, the, the history of the rivalry, the Michigan and Ohio State game tends to be the game that defines college football for, you know, a generation And in particular, from a broadcasting standpoint, you know, you think of Keith Jackson, you think of some of the great calls. And so the fact that Gus and I were going to be able to do that game and not only that game, but several other Big Ten games that are huge, I I think is is the most exciting part for me just to be, um, you know, a crew and and a broadcast entity and and a booth that can become synonymous with the sport because uh, of that iconic game.
2: Last question for you. I was in Vegas recently. I went to go see Britney Spears. You know Todd Furman. It was just the two of us. Two straight men. We went to watch Britney Spears. Wait, wait, wait. Your verdict. You didn't know this?
4: You and Furman went to a Britney (laughs) Spears concert?
2: Furman said, what do you want to do in Vegas? I said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go watch Britney Spears. So the two of us, two straight men. We also got a meet and greet. I got my picture taken with Britney Spears.
4: You know... Clay, I'm mean, in this in like the, the nicest possible way I can. You, you at times are the most questionable person that I am associate <laughs> like that I that I physically know in my life.
2: I don't know we got a laugh track there. It's it's you, you're calling into question my my decision making there. Worse than JT Barrett uh, on third down. Oh,
4: certainly. Yeah, I mean, at least he's at least he's safe. Like I said, he just doesn't want to make make a mistake. I mean, y- you are like you are the real world equivalent of Johnny Manziel. Just no idea. Decision making is just totally reckless. You and Furman went to a Britney Spears concert. Yeah, just the two and of us. Your idea?
2: My idea. He said you can do anything you want in Vegas, and I was like, you know what? I'd like to do. I'd like to go see Britney Spears.
4: I mean, you know, I I don't know about you. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> I, you know what I wouldn't do. You know what I wouldn't do, though. I I I, in particular, if I worked for you, I wouldn't mute you on Twitter.
2: Oh. Big time shot across the uh, the bow there for uh, Jason Martin. Thanks for getting up early for us, my man. We'll be watching tonight on Rutgers and uh, Washington. And that yeah, is, Joel Platt. I'm going to go.
1: I'm going to go put in my share album and uh, <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Guess who's back? It's time.
0: A.K.A. Mr. Mickey Rain on the
1: move. For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town most celebrated.
6: I'd buy that for a dollar.
2: Blood. Bank. Guaranteed. Now, hate to brag, but last night we started off 1-0. Always good to start off the season with an easy win. I gave you the over in Ohio State, Indiana. The over cashed by nearly two touchdowns. I give these picks out on the VIP message board at OutKick on Sunday. As soon as these things come out, I make my bets and I tell you exactly what I'm doing. So a lot of times these lines are moving. And in fact, a lot of them have moved in our direction. So I'm not giving you the most current line. I'm telling you what side I was on. And you can go look it up and and make your own determinations, okay? Tonight... Again, $99 for the year. You get a free t-shirt, outkick.com. Go do it. Going to make you a lot of money with gambling picks and more. And we're having an event tonight, by the way, in Atlanta. If you are in Atlanta and you are a VIP member, 6 to 9 Eastern tonight, we're going to be having a meetup in a location in Atlanta. The details are inside of Outkick VIP. You're invited. Open bar drinks if you're an Outkick VIP. All right, here come the 14 winners. Tonight, we just talked to Joel Klatt. He's calling Washington at Rutgers. I gave you this game at plus 30 and a half. It's now down to 27. I still like Rutgers to cover, but I loved them at plus 30 and a half. I still think they'll cover at plus 27. Louisville at Purdue. And Jason Martin, if you want to pull up the most recent odds, you can tell me if I'm way off on what these lines have moved. I haven't checked them in a couple of days because I already bet them. Louisville at Purdue. I gave you the over at 67 and a half. I think now it's around 69. Louisville at Purdue, the over is hitting in a big way. I think both these teams are going to score points. Bobby Petrino going up against your boy down at Western Kentucky, uh, Jeff Brom, uh, Jason Martin, and I like the over. Maryland, this is one where the line has moved against us. Maryland, I like to cover against Texas. I think that line is around 18 now. Texas is going to win this game, but I like Maryland plus 18. Georgia Southern at Auburn. A lot of people don't know anything about Georgia Southern. Last year, they went on the road. They were not a great team, 5-7, and seven, I believe, but they play their best against their best opponents. They went on the road last year, lost by 11, I believe, to Georgia Tech, lost by 10 on the road at Ole Miss. The line is plus 35. I'm telling you, Georgia Southern covers the plus 35. Kentucky is going on the road at Southern Miss in Hattiesburg. I got Southern Miss plus 10 and a half. Last year, Southern Miss went on the road and won in Kentucky. This year, double-digit home dog, over 10 points. You get them at plus 10.5. I like Southern Miss in this game. South Carolina, NC State. Jason Martin said it was an intriguing game to him. I like Will Muschamp in year two. I think NC State wins, but I like South Carolina. I gave them to you initially at plus six. Now that line is around plus five. Here's one that I'm really apprehensive on. I didn't know there were going to be 10 Florida Gator players suspended. Nobody did. That line, I took the Gators at plus four. Jason Martin, check and see what the latest on that line is. I think it's around Michigan 5. Yeah, Uh, it is. Okay, so it's still Michigan 5. I'm still going to take the Gators. I'm also going to take the over here. I think there's going to be more points scored than we anticipate. Even though Florida's breaking in a new quarterback, the over under – I gave you 44.5. It's so low. I think we can get some points scored in this one. So I have got the over and I've got the Gators, but this is the game that I'm most apprehensive about because of all the suspensions. Here is my blood bank guarantee. Are you ready? Are you ready for the blood bank guarantee? I gave you out LSU minus 13.5. They have since moved that game from Houston to the Dome in New Orleans. It's going to be all LSU fans. This is going to be a bloodbath. LSU by three touchdowns. This line is around 15 or 16. I'm telling you right now, blood bank guarantee. Maybe you're just listening. Maybe you're new. Maybe you're in North Carolina and those eight stations that just kicked the ESPN radio to the curb. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, what is the blood bank guarantee? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is a bet I am so confident in that even if you have no money, you drive straight to the blood bank, you get them to, ta- to, to, to set you up, and you start donating platelets and as soon as you get the money for your platelets, you take it straight to your bookie, and you say, Bitch, give me my money now, because I'm telling you right now, we are going to win big LSU in New Orleans against BYU, three-touchdown winner. Vandy MTSU. It's scary to say this, but I'm on the fighting Derek Masons. I think that Vanderbilt in a Nashville battle here, MTSU, Murfreesboro area, uh, if you're not familiar with Nashville, just outside the city, Vanderbilt, four-and-a-half-point favorite, dropped down to like three-and-a-half. What's the latest on this, Jason Martin? What's the number right now?
3: Uh, Somewhere right around there. There's some books that have it at three, some that have it at three-and-a-half.
2: All right, so I like Vandy to cover in this game. Uh, biggest game of the weekend, Bama FSU. I got Bama minus seven. Bama is going to win this game by double digits. Two great stats for you. One, in his pupil versus master games, i.e. guys who used to be assistant coaches for Nick Saban that then come back and coach against him as head coaches. Saban is 10-0, and 0, winning by an average of 18 points. Fact two, in openers at Alabama, how well prepared are the Crimson Tide in that opener? Lane Kiffin came on and told us this. Alabama's team is totally ready for these openers. Nick Saban against the spread in week one. Eight and one. Against the number in week one games, Nick Saban and Alabama are going to cover against FSU. Texas A&M at UCLA. I like the Aggies plus four, better talent. Uh, I like A&M on the road. Maybe not to win, but they don't have to win. All they got to do is cover the plus four. And finally, the Monday night football game, Tennessee-Georgia Tech. This is a bet on Bob Shoup. I think that the defense for Tennessee is going to be much improved. They were awful down the stretch. When you have this much time to get ready for an opponent like Tennessee does that runs the triple option offensive attack like Georgia Tech does, I'm going to take the team with the better talent over the team with the better scheme. I got the Vols, that line right around three now, and I've got the over, over under around 56. Those picks are going to go 14-0, and boys and girls. There you have it. We already started 1-0. and We're on our way to 15-0. and Get rich, kids. I just gave you 14 college football picks to make you some money.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
6: I hate you, Clay <laughs> I, but I hate Jason Martin even more. I listened all week for my take, and you guys can't play it because you're a bunch of pussy willows. Are you scared of Skip Bayless? He's the big money over there at Fox Sports, huh? You guys are scared of the big money, $6 million man, Skip Bayless? He called Clay a punk, a stand-up comedian, a, a clown. You guys are a bunch of... Now I know why Clay takes... From big old Jason Martin. Although I think Clay might like... Hell, I quit drinking five years ago, but I might have to start drinking again because all you do is play the drunks. This is really, really pissing me off. Uh, first, and as I need to shameless promo... Bruce Jenner will always be Bruce Jenner until he cuts it off. Hashtag cut it off, Bruce. I'm out.
2: This is Jay baby from Lutown. So wait, did Skip Bayless say those things about me?
3: Yeah, apparently he called you a comedian and a clown. I think in that response was not... To the, it was, uh, maybe I didn't hear. What, what are you saying, Coop? I, I think that was
2: not me. I think that was the guy who opened for the Johnny Manziel interview that he was talking about. FYI. Oh, okay.
3: I don't watch... Uh, that show so i don't know for sure i I, so I,
2: I am similar i do not watch the show so but i i was told that that was the case
7: hey clay yeah with this recent hurricane maybe you think when you act so smug about how can Noah it tell the sex of goldfish do you comprehend if there's a flood goldfish live in water why would you bring them onto an arc you know use two of the seven iq points that Darwin gave you so you don't sound as stupid as justin cooper Pretty soon you're going to be like, Wendy's chicken sandwiches are, like, so awesome. Peace, you
2: pithy punks. (laughs) Is he upset with my opinions of Noah's Ark? What did I say about Noah's Ark? That there were fish on Noah's Ark? Wouldn't it have to be fish on Noah's Ark, too? Like, the flood is freshwater, right? If you are a saltwater fish, I don't know. It's a good question. Not sure. Hmm. I my point on Noah's Ark was it seems like it would be really difficult to know the sex of every animal. Like, do you think Noah's like you know pulling up an alligator, like checking its cloaca, making sure whether it has a penis or not? Like that seems like a really mind consuming stuff. And then make sure you have a male and a female. What if the male? What if the male's not fertile? What if the female is not fertile? Then the whole species dies. Seems like a really tough job for Noah. Hey, not to so mention like, all the food, I'm everything ask you how else.
8: You're doing because I know you're gonna say some crap like living the dream. So I don't want to hear that. What I am going to say is, man, I like like 95% of your show. Actually, I love like 95% of your show, man, because you seem like a smart dude. You seem like a reasonable dude. So I can get on board with that. What I can't get on board with is when you say stuff like, oh, man, I'm a buck 85, and I could bench two plates like three times. Ain't nobody give a damn about that, man. I weigh less than you do. I could probably bench two plates like two three times as much as you can. And still nobody gives a damn, you know? So leave that shit home. Another thing I don't like is when you say stuff like, if anybody out there is, like, under 155 or 150 pounds and is under 5'5", I'm pretty certain I can beat them up. Come on, dude, let's be real. I'm the same height as you, but there's a guy out there named Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and he would whoop both of us with his hands tied behind his back. So let's be real and keep it real. And finally... The little beat that you had with Jeff Fisher saying that you'd probably take him again. Man, he'll talk to you one time, and you'll be like, Jason Martin, help me out. Because we both know that between the two of you, Jason Martin would lay the smackdown on you.
2: Out. That's Do I true. talk about beating people up all the time? Like, I, I, I don't even, yes, I can bench press 225 pounds. I think that surprises people. 38-year-old dad of three. I went to the NFL combine. I could lay down on the bench and knock it out 3 or 4 reps. But that's not that impressive in the grand scheme of things. And do I talk about beating people up? Like I I Jim is that Rome. a regular topic on the disc- on the show?
3: Beating up Jim Rome. He would probably qualify that, uh Yeah, that I said I line. could beat
2: I said I could beat Jim Rome up. I Jim, think Rome probably was could. Like, Jim Rome was like Jim Rome is like 5'3, 108 pounds. So, I mean, I felt bad for him. He looked like he was dying.
3: I could Hope clearly not take dying. you though. He was definitely right about that. You Yes, yeah, so I can yeah, annihilate not, you.
2: No, I don't think so. I'm quicker than you are. Feel very hey, good about
7: it. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. I had to call back on this one, man. You was full of. No, 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 no. You're a multimillionaire. Hey, let me tell you something. Since I've been listening to this station, you have been a lawyer. You sucked that bad. You couldn't even practice law in the United States. You had to go to Guam. Ain't that something? So, so that let me know your intelligence. So don't even play that. And then and then uh then next thing, the, you know, you're you entrepreneur? A multi billionaire cause you had balls? 'Cause you had balls? Hey, you're an entrepreneur that failed at that. What entrepreneur, multi millionaire do you know getting up at five o'clock in the morning talking to me? <laughs> Come on, man.
2: Hey, 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 stick to radio. You suck at that, too. Stick to radio. You suck at that, too. I'm a millionaire, But I was not a lawyer in Guam. That's a really <laughs> funny call. I was a lawyer in the U.S. Virgin Islands, and I'm still licensed in Tennessee, too. You know what the smartest lawyer is? The lawyer who doesn't practice law. All over the nation right now, there are lawyers driving into work right now. I can see right into your soul, lawyers, because I've been you. And all of them have got a scheme by which they will not have to practice law again. There's no profession in America where people get to it and try to get out of it faster that you go to school for a long time to get than the law. I don't see very many doctors who are like, man, I'm trying to get out of being a doctor. Dentists trying to get out of being dentists. Architects trying to get out of being architects. Every damn lawyer in the country is trying not to be a lawyer. I swear, every lawyer knows what I'm talking about right now. A lot of people think, oh, you want to be a lawyer? No. Smart lawyers are the ones who don't practice law. It's I Hate You Clay Travis. Voicemails. Fire away, Jason Martin.
6: What's up? This is Kayla from Huntsville. You idiots. All of you. Jason Martin, you fat piece of You sound like Bob from Bob's Burgers, bro. Is that you doing that voice? Who's the the who played in Liar Liar? The little kid? Bet you wish you could have stayed that cute little kid, you I googled what you look like now. It's like you shut in the barber, and the barber's like, "Say no more, fam." Danny G, did you eat a ashtray full of lit cigarettes or something, bro? Skating rink DJ sounding. <laughs> ladies, grab your guys. It's couple skate time. And Claudia, you nerd. Somebody gives that you used to practice law, bro. Coin Dexter
2: actually like you though oh man just (laughs) laying down the lumber on everybody on the show that was actually really funny the radio skating DJ line that's uh, that's gonna stick with me Danny G did that one sting
4: not at all I was 12 when I worked at that roller skating
2: (laughs) I was way ahead of the curve homie
3: Oh,
2: that was awesome. Everybody waylaid. Oh, man. Uh, 855-500-CLAY, your reactions to the games this weekend. We're going to have those, too. This is the voicemail line, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can react. All right, what we got? Hey, Clay, you mariato
7: toe licker. <laughs> this is me, Danny G, the Michael Clark Duncan of the crew. I, you're probably wondering, why the f- does one of my own producers have to call the voicemail line? <laughs> well, it's simple, you titan <laughs> bagger. On Thursday's show, you wouldn't even let L.A. chime in on <laughs> Not one time did you say, all right, let's go around the horn. Guys, am I crazy to say this? Um, yes. Black dudes calling in all morning talking about, Clay, I'm a 42-year-old black man with a master's degree from a major college. Who served two tours in Afghanistan. I love your show, but I disagree with you on this race thing today. And you're like, hang up on this guy. What the <laughs> f-? According to you, race relations, they've been peachy since what year? I think you said 1980. All right, Clay. I actually read books. 1980 was the year of the 1980 Miami riots. That was set off by four white police officers and they curb stomped an innocent black motorist to death. Closer to home, I think it was like 84, my grandmother of mixed race had her house ransacked by a couple of L.A. cops who were quote-unquote searching the residence. Clay, the only sh they found were Bibles and waffles. She made some damn good waffles. All I'm saying is this, the reality is what happens to each one of us throughout our life is our reality. So, Clay, I love how you spit the research and the numbers, and that's cool, but that sh- does not have a ledger for how we're treated out here in the real city. Uh, unless we get killed, and best believe, even my church going grandma wouldn't tell what really happened with the cops. So, I know what you're going to tell me. Start your own business. Well, this show is my business, so I'm getting sh- started. Clay, this has been my second network working with you. I respect you. You're like family, albeit family that I wish would be quiet sometimes so I could watch the damn game. But I just needed to call in and tell you that I hate your face this week for that race talk on Thursday. The Broke Vin Ras out.
2: Totally wrong, but I appreciate the fact <laughs> that you're willing to be wrong. Danny G. The radio skating DJ calls into the voicemail line first time ever. It's open to everybody. Love me, hate me, 855 500 Clay.